poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of Tactical Tuesdays. You can see if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, I have sun directly in my eyes right now. It's that that time of day. I'm joined on Tactical Tuesday by my co-host, John. John, welcome back. Good to have you, as always. How's it going? Got hey. some... Uh, oh, sorry. I guess I'll let you answer how you're doing first. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's it's irrelevant. I don't need to answer. <laughs> you, you know I, I'm doing... Okay, that's the <laughs> that's the answer. You you dive like straight into the video. You're just a man who wants to get to the point. No chit chat or small talk. We didn't really have a theme for this cycle Tuesday, but we just discovered that both of these hands are through that pots where I'm in position. So that is officially the theme for this episode. Even though the hands are not really related and the spots are not similar. Yeah, this is themeless Tactical Tuesday. See, having no theme can just be a theme in and of itself. So in this themeless themeless Tactical Tuesday, John, why don't you just break down the first hand since you're just ready to get into it? Yeah, okay. So this hand starts with a reg in the cutoff opening to $20. Um, I three bet Ace of Hearts, King of Clubs, Ace King Offsuit to $70. Folds around back to the cutoff who flats the $70. were 100 big blinds effective. Uh, not too much to talk about preflop. Nothing. Yep. Nothing to say. Yep. Get the ace four deuce two-tone flop. Um, I have the king of clubs, and there's a club flush draw on board. Uh, the cutoff starts by checking, and I assume I start by betting flop for one-third. You do. And the cutoff calls. Not yeah, a me, lot going on right now. Yeah. Actually, maybe we should note this for the listeners. Brad hasn't seen either of these hands yet. I'm pretty impressed. We're just going into these hands like totally cold. These hands might just suck. And Brad's just like, why are we talk, talking about this hand? Um, but yeah, Brad hasn't seen either of these hands yet. So he's actually genuinely surprised that there's been this little action uh, <laughs> up until the turn, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of the hands that I have opinions on or play happen in the moment so why should tactical tuesday be any different here yeah i think uh, that's good this is where it gets exciting though cool Dylan gonna donk the turn i knew it and big too you're uh so for the podcast listener i don't know what the deal is john is not actually trying to eat his microphone but it's getting some feedback he's he's getting too excited and things are getting really really loud <laughs> but now he's looking at his microphone desperately trying to see what the issue is. Just don't get excited, man. You just, you know, have fun playing poker. Don't get too excited. Even keel. This guy donked turned in a three-bet pot for like almost <laughs> pot. <laughs> uh, that that they did. Um, and yeah, I don't really think there's anything we can do other than call. Whoa. Okay. That's okay. So that was going to be okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll first start with my thoughts. I don't think donking this turn is that crazy. I'm not 
super shocked to see it on this four liner where I rarely have a three and I guess the cutoff has more three threes than I do. I mean, he definitely has all his pocket threes. I probably never have pocket threes. Who knows if he flats his ace three suited, but there's one of that as well. Um, if he does, uh, or actually there's two ace three suited um, that he could be flatting pretty. So there are definitely some straights that he could have. Um, the thing that like really sticks out to me though about this lead is the sizing. I would have expected a much smaller sizing on the turn followed up by a big river bet. Um, I was surprised to see pot on the turn and wasn't really sure how to begin interpreting this. Like, did I? Is there some reason I should think that this is more bluff heavy or more three x heavy? Um, I don't know. That's where I wanted to start. I, I think like it's hard to be able to discern that. I um I would say that like the big bet here is setting up for a river jam, which I think would be the appropriate sizing that villains should use when they're out of position here. Um, they just want to threaten stacks. So like I, I actually think that this big polarizing bet makes all the sense in the world and would be the sizing that I would expect. Okay, so what I expected, well, I expect the stacks to go in on the river anyways, but like. I guess like what I see most commonly and what I what I expect to see here would be like a small bet, like one third pot and then two X pot jam on the river. This big size feels like it almost makes it like almost makes my decision uh, like the hands that I want to continue with that decision a little bit too straightforward and easy. Whereas when he goes like a third, I'm really going to have to start thinking about calling with some real bluff catchers like King. Well, it depends, right? Like it, it depends on the frequency in which you're c-betting this flop and the range in which you're c-betting this flop, right? Like basically if the big bet makes it pretty straightforward. So like if they do have some sort of uh low equity hand, um pocket sixes or whatever, then or 5-6, I guess, maybe 5-6, which is a turn, turn pair of fives, king jack of spades. Um, those type of hands, like you're, you're going to fold out more than half of your flop C betting range because you're going to be C betting this board at a very high frequency. So like, if we're just looking at like the fold act fold equity generated by this big turn donk, I think it's going to like really do a number on your flop C betting, um, range. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned that like. But you, or you seem like you were surprised when I said that we just called the turn, which makes me believe that something else is going to happen on the turn other than calling. So, like, I guess let's start there. Like, if you're going to full days king on the turn, well, that makes the sizing pretty good, I think. I don't because, so you're going to rip it? I, that, was, I, that, that, that was what I was going to ask, was like, because we had a. In last in the last technical Tuesday, last week's technical Tuesday, where I had the set of queens and the turn bot and the flush, we did talk about like just jamming the turn, and in a sort of similar situation where you're likely just calling a call every single river. Um, why not just deny equity or force them to put it in with a draw? Maybe they have like even like a really strong draw, like straight draw plus flush draw that they're you know way more happy to put it in with than like just like a, just the flush draw. Um, we don't know if they bluff the river. If the river comes like the eight of hearts, like do they bluff the king jack of spades or you know queen ten of clubs type hands on the river? Like we don't know that, so like jamming here. Well, I actually thought that I'm actually surprised. I thought that you were gonna advocate for jamming turn. Yeah, no chance. 
um, this hand doesn't improve and villains just very polarized here. And I also think they have incentive to bet the river as well. Once we call the turn, because we do have a lot of single pair ASAC hands in our range that can fold on the river that like, what? I, I just call the turn and probably it just, I, I call the turn and then decide on river. I mean, that's like one of the reasons I was going to say that I don't like this size on the turn because once this donk size on the turn, because once I do call this bet, in my mind, I'm just like never folding any river. So like your bluff, your, your success rate on your bluffs on the river is just going to be like really, really low because these are the types of hands that I'm continuing with facing pot on the turn. And so like in my mind, it's like that, like do you want your bluff success to be really low on the river um, and maybe your turn donk success to be really high or do you want like the flip-flop where you bet small on the turn have that get called a lot and then realize a lot of fold equity on the river with the 2x pot shove yeah i mean i i i'm i i think that in this spot we can just simplify to like they have a pretty polarized range here that's donking and i don't necessarily know that they're doing it with hands that have a lot of equity like a significant amount of equity i'm not exactly sure but I don't know. Interestingly, so little sneak peek into my brain. I don't even remember what we talked about one week ago on Tactical Tuesday. I don't remember the two hands that we broke down for some reason. There's like a blank spot in my brain. So I don't know what I said. Can't remember the hands. It's been a, quite the hectic week, actually. The repository for podcasts ran out and Villager podcast ran out. So I've done many, many, many interviews this week and Wolves launched. So... If you could refresh my memory of last week, you turned a set. We advocated jamming the turn. I flopped the set in a four bet plot in position. I called the button with pocket queens. Uh huh. And the flop came queen high with two clubs. The turn completed the club flush draw, and the four better bet the flop and bet the turn. And uh, you said that jamming river or jamming turn was what you think you you would do and what I should do. A little bit of yeah. a different spot considering he's not like donking the turn, but yeah, it is a four bet spot. Um, I don't know stack sizes. Like they must have gone really small in the flop and then really small in the turn as well. Yes, correct. Um, okay, so a four bet pot and they went really small in the first two streets, and now we have a three bet pot where villains donking pot on the turn. I don't know. I don't know exactly how <laughs> how similar these situations are. Um, I don't know. I, Jamming for the same reasons in my mind, in the in, in these two spots. Yeah, Maybe I mean, so so the problem is like we have little visibility on this strategy that villains using. Like we okay. just don't know exactly what's going on here. So yeah, just calling, realizing the future data point of what action they take on the river, and then what the river is, and then kind of deciding from there. Uh, I don't know that like. I don't know that it's the worst thing in the world to consider jamming versus or folding versus a jam on the river. Probably not going to be folding this hand. I think it's just too strong, um, too high up in our range. But yeah, it's this is just a wacky spot that's like really hard to navigate, really hard to have like some built in heuristic to help guide us because we don't really know what villain's doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, had, I had no idea. Yeah, which I think makes a lot of sense because it's just a weird thing. They bet 228 and a 254 on Ace Deuce 4 5, four liner with double flush draws available. I just like to simplify my thought process. He has draws in 3x 
draws three X. I mean, a set's not like just sure, sure. crazy. Have. Like Ace five is not crazy. Um, anyway, you, yeah, you said two pair. So the rivers is a six of clubs. We have the king of clubs, which is pretty good, I think. Um, blocking villains, uh, club flushes. What happens on the river, John? Big jams. And now, now you're at the uh, the critical critical. Yeah, I juncture. mean, like one of the flush draws, one of the two flush draws completing on the river is probably uh, probably are like spade and club rivers are probably the two rivers that I am least happy about. I think his bluff donk turn range is going to be spade spade hands or club club hands. Um, I don't know. It's, it's nice that I do have the king of clubs here. So that definitely reduces a lot of the combos of club club hands that are going to open the cutoff and call a three bet. Um, I don't know. I wasn't really planning on a lot of rivers. Anyways, like if a spade came, I would just hope that he has the club draw. And if a club comes, I just hope he has a spade draw. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of what you said that like when they bet the turn big and you call that it's likely the perception is that their fold equity is going to go down. It's hard to pull the trigger on the river here once you continue um and the front door flush completes <sighs> boy so i guess okay, can i can i ask can i ask a question before we get into like this exact hand you, yeah, you mentioned yeah. that like you would call some hands on the chart like call the donk on the turn and then fold some hands on the river what are some hands that you would do that with on this river like, are you talking about like worse ace x? Like, is for some reason like ace jack worse than ace king in this spot? I don't think ace jack is worse than ace king. I think actually, I think ace jack is worse than ace king. I think that, uh, like upon reflection, I I don't necessarily think the king high flush draws are gonna go crazy on the turn because they could just ha be the best hand. Like mm -hmm. king yeah, queen yeah. king jack king ten of clubs and spades doesn't have a ton of incentive to just kind of go crazy on the turn because they could just be winning right now. Right. Um, so I, I don't like having a jack because, like, especially the jack of spades or jack of clubs because that does block their available flush draws. So, like, um, having the jack of spades or the jack of clubs, I think both of those are probably not great cards to have. Um, the reality is here, and I think I'm just going to end my thoughts and opinions on this hand, is that this spot is very unclear to me, and I really don't know uh, what to do facing this big, big bet on the turn on the four liner, and then the follow up river. Like I, I can sit here and pretend to have, you know, amazing insight and great wisdom in this spot, but like the reality is, it's obscure, and I just don't know. Uh, I'm not ultra studied in this situation, and so, yeah, just. This one, maybe, maybe this is like the one hand on Tactical Tuesday that I should have <laughs> that I should have reviewed before we got in here because like I, I just feel kind of stuck because I mean it's just a very, very bizarre situation where like to find natural bluffs, villains need to be floating from out of position with an air ball and then basically donking and jamming. Um I do villains do that? I don't know. Seeing the amount of pressure that it puts on Ace King, I think that it's pretty cool. But yeah, I'm not sure. Funny that you say that because maybe I should have felt more pressure. But in the moment, I can tell you that I was not feeling a ton of pressure 
even as as bad as this board looks for my hand. I was like, dude, I have top pair, top kicker, flush blocker, and a three bet pot. Well, remember the heuristic, right? When reg finds something weird, they typically have it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's easier to find when you have something weird. That's the thing that scares me the most is like, it takes a creative player with, you know, a lot of heart to find this with like jack 10 of spades or eight, eight, nine of spades um, or just some other hand that just like decides to float the flop to bomb the turn. And it's really easy to do it when you have a three, like you can just see it super yeah. easily like, Oh, the turn's going to get checked through a lot. So I'm just going to donk and Exactly. It, it's, it's very easy to see when you have a tray or when you have a set or two pair. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I think long story short, I don't know what I would have done in game. I would have highly considered folding though. I think I considered folding for like half a second. <laughs> well, when you have, when you have like slam dunk value that you can find, and then the bluffs are kind of blurry. Um, I think that's another kind of indicator that villain, it, again, that, that villain can just way more easily find the value and not the bluff so much. Um, all right, so we'll wrap up this hand, go to the break. I don't know what happens. I, I mean, I assume you call and then I don't know what villain shows up on the river with because very bizarre and they have a flush so they rivered the flush um seven nine of clubs seven nine of clubs yeah people can't see the numbers but they can see as a flush yeah good for them like that's a really cool turn lead i i don't i wonder if they jam if they brick (laughs) oh (laughs) kind of the operative question right but no way to know unless we track them down and ask them hard to know how bad my call on the river is if they if we don't know whether they jam brick rivers. Yeah, but it's good to see seven nine of clubs, right? Like, it's good that you don't just see, like, you know, ace tray. Ace three of hearts, and, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I'll oh, get threes, yeah. Of course, the obvious one. Um, no. All right, so coming up after the break, I have no idea how to segue into it because I don't know what's going to happen in Themeless Tactical Tuesday. So stick around for my surprise. Maybe John can find another hand to just put me in... <laughs> Take, just put me in the, in the ringer and trying to figure out what to do. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson. has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. Rated R. All right. Welcome back from the break. Now getting ready to throw down on hand number two. You got a jack and a four. So starting out uh, promising in this hand. You want to break down the action for the podcast listener? Sure. So uh, four-handed, 1K and L holds around to the button. Who, or excuse me, folds around to the small blind, uh, who appears to be, I guess, like a tightish reg over a hundred hands. Um, he opens to thirty dollars, and I three bet the jack four of spades to ninety dollars. Um, this is just going to be one of the many trashy three bet bluffs that I have blind versus blind. 
Yeah. You like your, your big blind three bets versus the small blind on the trashy side. Got it. Jack in the four. By the way, you made this, uh, you made this video and the time that it takes a podcast listener can't see this, but the YouTube (laughs) watcher can, I'm trying to like navigate this. Like, look at the man. Boom. Just boom, boom, boom. Raise three bet as if (laughs) raise three bet call. Like, (laughs) <laughs> Way to make my life easy, John. Way to make my life easy. Is Jack more suited? Here. What did you expect? <laughs> <laughs> calling is, I, I certainly don't expect folding. Uh, calling is reasonable. Um, and we get a, yeah, very connected flop. Eight, nine, ten, two clubs. You have the Jack and the four. Small blind checks. And looks like you fire out a bet of half pot. I mean, I guess without going like too much into sizing, I think blind versus blind, I think I'm going to have probably a check, a check, checking range on this board. I think I'm going to have way more of a checking range in three bet pots blind versus blind than I would um, in any other position, uh, simply because my three bet range and the big blind facing a a small blind open is going to be really, really wide and have like a lot of really trashy hands like this. And it's going to have like a lot of just like random ASEX that's going to want to check like, decent number of flops however i think this board with this exact hand is definitely not going to be one of the checks for me um and i go ahead and see bet half pot into 180 dollars okay and i i think your see bet uh strategy here should be fairly selective on boards yeah. like this you know you should be doing quite a bit of checking um yep. in position but yeah so you bet and the villain calls and we get a king on the turn. So king on the turn doesn't really change that much. It upgrades some like king tens, king nines, the two pair. Uh, king queen, I guess. The gut shot on the flop is now upgraded to top pair. Queen jack is still the same. Um, on this king turn, the villain checks. And I also have king jack. I guess that's one big. It, it is. But... A lot of the upgrades on the turn uh, aren't betting the turn. So right. I think that like, yeah, villain checks and you decide to bet. What is that? It's yeah, like two thirds. Um, tell me about that. Um, so I think that on this super dynamic board, I, I don't remember if we read it out for the podcast listener, listener but the flop is 10, 9, 8. Two clubs and a heart. The turn is the king of hearts. So now there's two flush draws and a sh- three straight on board. Um, I think I have a really good hand to just start kind of thinking about running a big bluff with, with the jack blocking uh, some of the, his super strong hands like jack seven and queen jack. Um, I don't block either of the flush draws, which I think makes my hands uh, maybe not a great barrel candidate on the turn, but a really good triple barrel candidate if both or maybe the front door flush draw bricks. So yeah, my plan here was just to barrel turn big and probably jam a lot of rivers. Yeah, I think I just checked back this turn, honestly. Oh. Um, and I checked back with a fairly large portion of my range. Mm-hmm. Um, the king jacks, the king queens, maybe even the two pairs, like 8, 10, 8, 9, 9, 10, uh, those hands, all the single pair type hands. Aces is checking back. Um, I, I think what makes me nervous about going bet bet jam is that you have a 
high availability of bluffs, uh, ace jack, ace queen, ace queen, and ace jack, and then hearts, clubs. Uh, you know, probably not super super visible that you have you know jack five, jack six, uh, jack four probably jack three or jack deuce in your range as well. And then on the value side of it, you've got your sets, you know, eights, nines, tens. Um, you have sets of kings. You probably have king 10. And then you have queen jack. Um, but the queen jacks, you're not three betting them pure, I imagine, facing a Good small blind open. Right. So that's only four, you know. Yeah. So we're looking at like four combos of queen jack suited. Three combos of kings, three combos of tens, three combos of nines, three combos of eights, three, six, nine, twelve, uh, sixteen, and then you three combos of king ten. So nineteen value combos in your range. And then, you know, if you have every ace queen, well, now your uh value to bluff ratio is like one to one, and villain can just like pretty safely and easily call. So like I would probably start checking the turn here and go for a stop and go um, versus villains river check. And I don't think we need to make a large investment, probably something like a third or half pot on the river gets the job done with this hand um, allows us to realize our actual equity and realize fold equity as well. Um, so that to me seems like the just see, I, I know that's what I would do in this spot is check back turn and bet river like half pot or a third. Okay. That's mm, I didn't even think about doing that in game. I just I'm just uh I just love barreling too much. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Hey, like hey, a hey. like a hammer and a nail, whatever analogy were. I just see nails everywhere. Yeah. Um, when, when your main tool is a hammer, everything tends to look like a nail, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're trying to manage like multiple parts of your range. And I just think that like you've got a once you bet the flop, you have a lot of hands in your range that naturally want to play for only one more bet. And villain is probably going to be aware of that. And so that just creates a downstream uh, opportunity to just bet the river. Gotcha. One thing you didn't mention that I'm sure is almost unthinkable to you, given my hand on the board, is that when we check back the turn, sometimes we get to bluff catch river. Well... Yes, if we hard like with her. a jack and a four to see how that's going to happen, but it's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, now I'm excited to see what on God's earth happens on the on the uh, river. So you river a four. I guess that's the one thing that can happen here. Um, Give us a bluff catcher, yeah. and it completes the backdoor flush. And is villain going to donk the? It is not donk. Okay, they just check. Yeah. Okay, there's no bluff catching. You're just... If, like, I, if I had... What I was saying was that if I had checked back the turn, especially versus Villain's Hand, which we just re re revealed, like, you know, you do so, have... That is an option, like an op, a door that opens up when you check back the turn. It's, sometimes you have to bluff catch the river. Yeah. Um, for the podcast listener, John, the river's a four, and it goes check, check, and John beats the A6 of clubs. So... Villain had a uh, combo draw, nut flush draw on the turn. Um, thank God you didn't turn a pair into a bluff. Like Okay, this... so that's that was my question. That was going to be my question. Was yeah. that I arrive on the river. Uh, okay, so I think particularly on dynamic flops, like very, very wet flops like this one, 8, 9, 10, whatever. I get to the river with like, I've rivered some really really bad bottom pair that's not going to beat any value um cer certainly not going to beat like any of their bluff catchers 
And in a spot where like I was planning on tripling the river, um, when I like river these small pairs, I asked myself like, is this still a spot where I should be tripling the river? Am I like kind of wussing out by not turning these, like, you know, sort of giving myself an out or an excuse being like, oh, well, I have a pair now. So like I, I get to check and like, you know, beat all their draws. Um, so that, that was like my main question about this hand was, should I be thinking about turning these hands into bluffs or is, does like the wetness and the dynamicness of the flop sort of allow me to check this hand back comfortably knowing that there are a lot of draws that I beat? Okay, so I'm going to go into this in full coaching mode here and ask you, do you think, I believe, you have a tendency to over-aggress with pairs on the river or under-aggress? Over. Over-aggress. So if it's a question... <laughs> if it's close, it's not if actually it's close. <laughs> if it's close, you should just not do it. Okay. Like if you don't know, if you don't have confidence, it seems unsure. Since your natural tendency is to go for it, whenever it's questionable, like just don't go for it. I the mean, problem though is that it's always questionable. <laughs> you never get to run with a pair and be like, "Oh, this is a slam dunk like jam here with my you know pair of whatevers." I mean, this yeah, one is super I, questionable. I agree, but this is on the questionable scale. This is pretty high up there. Yeah, I mean, you, you river bottom pair, you happen to win. I, I don't know exactly if you should be, like, I just would check back the turn and not really, and then just kind of play it accordingly. So, like, I don't really get in this situation with your hand, I guess, is one part of it. And secondly, like, you know, villain does have hands that you beat, I guess, like ace-jack of clubs, ace-queen, uh, ace-jack of hearts. I don't know. Not many hands that you beat once they call two bets on this board. So maybe you should go for it. I, I don't know. I, the, the reality is like this is another situation that's not exactly clear to me once you river one, two, three, four, fifth pair. Um, but yeah, the, the major takeaway for me would just be like, I, I'm a fan of checking the turn there when we have like a lot of available one pair hands that uh, disincentivize villain from probing river. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the biggest takeaway for me too. Is that like on these, because like a lot of available one pair hands on like a super dynamic board where we're gonna get called on the turn like pretty light. It's like not inconceivable that like calls a little lighter than usual given like the double flush draw on the three straight on board. I'm I'm not ultra concerned about getting called lighter than usual. What I'm most concerned about is having many available bluffs and uh, much less available top-end value. Like, that's, you know, when you're trying to generate fold equity versus a reg, like, when you just don't have much top-end value and you have a lot of available bluffs, it's like, okay, they just get to bluff catch way more easily against you. You know, you're never betting aces on this turn. You're never betting ace-king. Um, you're never sizing up with ace-king or aces or king-queen or king-jack. So, like... Yeah, it's just like, oh, cool. So this guy's repping like a straight um, top two pair sets and, and then some lower equity draws. So cool, I have like Jack-10. Um, just going to call. Probably wouldn't even be betting aces and anything that often on the flop anyways. Cool. So two good hands. Um, 
<laughs> two, two, two good hands to break down on Tactical Tuesday. Very thought-provoking hands. The first one is going to be on my mind for probably a little while and just kind of uh, reverse engineering all the things that are kind of going on there, what villain must have been thinking by Donkey the Turn with the 7-9 of clubs. I think it's a really cool line that they found, and that's something that as you're playing cards for the podcast listener, the YouTube watcher, um, when somebody does something that's like sort of outside the box and puts you in this weird spot where you're kind of grasping around and don't know exactly what's going on, they did something quite clever and uh, merits further investigation. And with that said, I mean, I think we've talked about all the things that we talk about here on Tactical Tuesday. Uh, anything left to say, John? See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.